when we talk about mental health, you know, we think of bipolar disorder or we think of anxiety disorder or we think of depression and anxiety. So many different things when we mention mental health. And really, I just want to talk about that today, Uh, mental health. And um, although I'm no licensed counselor or therapist, it's something that I've gone through. And I want to share my personal testimony on this episode with mental health and depression, anxiety, and all the different um, things that I've gone through with that. So that in hopes it'll help you and um, hit on this also psychological warfare side of things. Um, Because the enemy, that's kind of like his playground. He loves to he loves to just kind of mess with people's minds in that way. So let's talk about it. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of Nick Unplugged, where we're going to talk about mental health, mental disorders, and psychological warfare today. So if you haven't already, go over to my Instagram page at unplugged.nick, where you will see exclusive content on my podcast. And uh, also, there's going to be a special guest coming in just a few weeks. I'm not sure the exact date just yet, but you can look out for that reveal on my personal page at Nick Egler or on the Instagram page um, at Unplugged. Dot Nick. So guys, getting right into the topic today, we can see um, we can see in the Bible where we where it talks about the mind in Corinthians. Paul says um, in mentioning spiritual warfare in uh, chapter ten of Second Corinthians, he's talking about high things and um, everything that uh, that that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, and then uh, casting down imaginations, you know, uh, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then we see um, in the um, in the armor of of God, we see the helmet of salvation and this this idea and this imagery of um, girding your loins about with truth and really girding your mind up. And so first and foremost, the way to combat um, a lot of the tactics of hell is just to get the word of God in your um, in your heart, but to but to read it and to listen to it out loud. And um, that helmet of salvation, it's um, it's warding against the ordinances written against you from hell, the the accusations um, that are coming against you. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And so you've got to put on the armor every single day, the uh, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God to to cut away at every single thing that the enemy's trying to throw at you. Something that my pastor tells me is that you got to bind it up and boot it out. And so um, sometimes it just takes some um, some deep breaths, just take some deep breaths, calm down, process the moment, and move forward. And so uh, we see in Daniel, actually, where it's talking about the Antichrist. And it mentions that the Antichrist has come to wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, Pastor Mark Morgan, I had the opportunity of going to um, see him for three days in California, and he talked about the fact that um, that is talking about the mind, that the Antichrist spirit agenda, um, not the agenda, but the spirit is trying to wear out the saints in their minds. And so if the devil can wear you out in your mind, um, you know, there's so much he can uh, that you know, gives way naturally as a human, you know, if your mind is weak and you're weak in your mind and mentally, you know, that, I mean, there's so many bad things that happen when that happens, you know, you're so prone to making um, stupid decisions and, you know, just so many things and not thinking rationally. I mean, think about when you're tired, you know, and so think about how many times uh, people say, well, I'm just tired and it's like 12 in the afternoon. 
everyone's tired. Everyone's saying they're tired. It's because of the spiritual activity in our day and the spiritual warfare. It's constantly bombarding your mind, coming against your mind. It's all a mind game. And this is the devil's playground. This is where the devil loves to, um, it almost feels like the enemy is living in our brain. And it almost is kind of like that, you know? And so we've got to guard our minds and we can't just kind of entertain all these thoughts and all, you know, because we don't want to do the work and gird up the loins of our I'm sorry, uh, gird about our loins with truth and, uh, um, you know, gird our loins up in our mind. And so this is just very important. Now, this is now that is the spiritual side of things. OK, so that's psychological warfare. And um, just to kind of go deeper into that, um, there was a person uh, the other day and we were talking and this certain person was having a dream and this dream was consistent and um it was so consistent that I was bothering this person, and for days they just kind of dwelt on it. Well, what I was kind of seeing is that the enemy uh, was afflicting this person with a very a gruesome dream. But what happened is the enemy walked away after um, he had sent that dream, and this person in their anxiety and their trigger and their trauma had taken this dream, and it was almost like it was impounded. And so for days, this is what they dwelt on. And so isn't it so like the enemy that he uses a pre-existing condition in your mind, and then he impounds on that? It's like a little annoying brother or sister that pushes the right buttons, right? And it just sets you off, and it ticks you off. And, you know, um, it, it is so like the enemy to do that. He knows the but buttons to push. He knows the condition. Um that you know that pre-existing condition and he will if he knows that he will use that to his advantage and he will impound on that um and so if you, you deal with anxiety you deal with depression all of that is his playground it's all um his his, his toolbox he's gonna in essence uh, metaphorically speaking you know work with and so you've got to be equipped. You've got to be equipped with the word of God, with the sword of the spirit, with the armor of God. You've got to be ready and um, to navigate this psychological warfare because you can't just navigate psychological warfare with ignoring it. You can't. You have to navigate it. You have to study it. You have to be a student of, of your mind. You have to be a student of your body. You have to figure out how you work. And if you just kind of go through life saying, well, as long as I produce, then, you know, I'll just kind of get over it, you know, I'll just kind of get over the mind thing or get over it, you know, it'll just kind of go away. Well, what if it doesn't, you know, then you're going to be regretting all the years that you ignored it. And uh, actually, that is almost arrogant, because you're assuming, you know, in your arrogance, you're not you're not uh, accounting for um, all that mental what you're what you're not consciously processing. Okay, because there's things that you subconsciously process. But that's the point. It's subconscious. You don't actually know you're processing negative emotions sometimes. That's why you have to do due diligence. You have to you have to um, do due diligence and, and and check on yourself and you know do these types of things. And you say, "Why well, don't I don't feel it? And I don't consciously believe that." And so override, override, override. You know, eventually, you know, it's going to come out in your conversation, and then you're just going to explode on somebody, or it's going to come out in your actions, and then you're going to get confused and. You're like, I'm so unpredictable. Well, it's because you stuff your emotion and then it explodes in random moments. And so it's like, you know, you could really avoid that if you dealt with your emotions. And so this is why young guys, they have a really difficult problem with admitting that they deal with depression because they think depression is just being sad. And depression is not just being sad. It's, it's, it's a lot deeper than that, you know. 
And not only that, but because you're a man and because men should be motivated and men are created to produce, as we see from the beginning of time, we're, we're producing, we're creating. Well, um, your lack of motivation is, is crippling your self-esteem as a man because, well, you're depressed and you're not motivated. And so that makes you feel less of a man. And so it's like, but the quicker you admit that, the quicker you can deal with that and then you can move on. But as long as you deny that and you let your pride and your arrogance get in the way because you don't want to admit that, well, that's that's going to eventually catch up to you and it's going to be your fault. And you don't have to do that. You can avoid all that. So to jump into my personal testimony, in 2018, I was in the middle of Pastor Appreciation Sunday out of all times. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting um, close to the front of the stage and um, my pastors were on the platform and their wives and they were receiving gifts for Pastor Appreciation Day. And as I was sitting there, I had a you know complete panic and anxiety attack and I was profusely crying. I couldn't stop crying, you know, could barely breathe. And I was just like going nuts. And so my dad comes over and he comforts me. And some of the, you know, it, it was so embarrassing. It felt like everyone was staring at me. It was kind of the truth, <laughs> uh, but not in a, obviously they weren't being mean about it. It's just like, you know, this, this was happening. And so, um, later that night, um, my pastor called me his office and he was like, look, Nick, like, I don't want you to be embarrassed about what happened. But the Lord did speak to me, and he said that you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and in your body. And I was like, okay, wow, like hit me like a ton of bricks. And so um, then I go to Because of the Times um, in Alexandria, Louisiana, a minister's conference. And I asked uh, Pastor Robert Tisdale, um, I was like, you know, man, when you were preaching about the spirit of Satan, man, it was just like really, it really like, it really resonated with that. And he was like, well, I don't think it was the spirit of Satan that you're fighting. I think it's your mind that you're fighting. And so it was just like many confirmations. God was trying to tell me, hey, it's your mind. You, know, you need to take care of this. And so, um, you know, through the grace of God, I found a, a tremendous counselor and um, then went to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist diagnosed me with anxiety disorder. And at first I was like, man, this guy's crazy. He's off his rocker. But then he started to describe all the things that somebody with anxiety disorder do or you know, the side effects that they have or whatever. And he just, and it was me to AT and I was just like, wow. And so I got prescribed on anxiety medicine and then later got diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactive disorder and ADHD. And so, um, then I was on ADHD medicine for a while. And so, um, I'm not on those medicines anymore. I'm discharged from counseling. God has healed me completely. And I thank God for that. Um, praise God. What a powerful testimony, but that's exactly why I'm doing this episode. It's because I've been through the thicket. That wasn't just like three months. That was almost three years. And so, um, there were so many things that man, just psychologically, it, it didn't, it didn't even start there. I think that's why I pushed this issue so big because it did not just start randomly on some Sunday morning at Pastor Appreciation Sunday. No, this this was this was boiling for years before it ever toppled over. And so, um I, I can't really say that's anybody's all or anybody's fault, you know. Um, but we we've gotta take care and I'm no parent, but we've gotta take care of our kids. We've gotta look after these signs, we've gotta take care of our friends, you know. And, 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 and when we see that they're sad, we need to, we need to be, you know, not nosy, but, you know, caring enough to ask them and not just be like, well, they need to get over it and they need to toughen up. You know, I'm actually studying, um, right now in class and family intervention, we're talking about attachment theory and, um, this doctor from a university, well, he did some experiment, experiment with, with Reese monkeys. And so basically, you know, instead of the mom, uh, them actually giving a monkey mother, well, they made a fake mother with wires and, you know, cloth. And so to make a long story short, it was just to show that, you know, these baby Reese monkeys uh, wanted to be loved. They just wanted to be comforted. 
And so in this experiment, um, you know, in the comments, in the YouTube comments, um, somebody said, you know, this is why um, we deprived young men of affection because we thought it was it was going to help them. If we didn't hug them, we didn't show them affection, that was going to make them better because that was going to toughen them up. And uh, that person was talking about how, how horrible a travesty that is, you know, and, and it certainly is because um, there's nothing there's nothing else a man is going to cry if he were held at gunpoint than for his mother. I mean, horrible, horrible thing would happen to um, the African-American male. I totally forget his name, um, the black male that that, you know, started this whole thing about police and all this and all. You know, he was crying for his mother. When that cop had his foot to his throat or however he was dying, it was horrible. And so it's like this idea that men need to be deprived of affection so they can toughen up is completely false. It's com- it's completely damaging and we need to stop that thinking. And so I say that to say, you know, if you have a friend and they're showing signs of depression or showing signs of anxiety, even if it's momentary, literally like two or f- two to two to three minutes, I'm not even talking about lifetime, just two to three minutes or, or even months, just a couple of minutes, take that time to be there for them, to listen to them, to process, you know, and so bring peace into their chaos. And so, um, you know, I was on the medicine and all that. It was just such a tough time. I went through CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing. And God brought me through that and he's, he's, he's healed me. And obviously there are parts of me that are not healed as all of us are in that healing process. But on the topic of healing, you have to want to be healed. You know, there was a man, I was preaching a revival in 2018 in Bloomington, Indiana for two weeks. It was a youth revival. And the second Wednesday, that night, there was a man with uh, some, uh, like some specialized crutches or something. You know, he could barely walk. And so he came up to the altar, or I called him up. I said, you know, come up here. I said, how many people are going to believe with me that God can heal this man? And so I prayed for this man. He wasn't healed. Some of the men gathered around. We prayed for him again. And the guy with crutches, he, he he reached up to my arm and grabbed a hold of it. He was shaking. He could barely stand. And he pulled my arm down and he pulled my, you know, he wanted me to get close so I could hear him. He said, he said, man, he said, preacher, he said, this will not work. I said, why won't this work? He said, because I told the Lord, if you ever heal me, I'll never come back to this church. And I was like, what? I was like, what in the world? He's like, my condition is what keeps me in this church. It's what keeps me on my knees. And I know if he healed me, I'd never come back and I'd, live, I'd never live for God. And so it's like, wow, that's very, very sad. You know, the fact that he needed a condition to stay on his knees. Well, that's admirable. But at the same time, it's also not admirable. It's like, why does it take that? You know, and it shouldn't take that. But sometimes God allows affliction in our lives to humble us. And so I think that is a perception that we should all take on. You know, look at Job. The affliction came from, you know, the enemy, but God allowed it. So technically it came from God. And so, but he eventually got double the cattle, double everything that he lost. And so don't see your mental affliction or your mental suffering as something that God gave you because he wants to punish you. It's something that he allowed so that he can produce some sort of character in you or ministry in you or you fill in the blank. And that's with any suffering. That's with any grief. And so um, even on the topic of depression and anxiety, okay, depression, anxiety play on each other. And this isn't because I know this clinically or whatever. You know, I'm sure there's some evidence out there, but just from my personal experience, the more depressed you get, the more you think you suck. So you get anxious because you suck and 
then you get more depressed and then you get more anxious and then you get more insecure. And it's just like, it's just, <laughs> it just impounds on each other. And again, that's what the enemy loves to do. It's just impounding, impounding. It's just this constant, you know, you know, boom, 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 boom on your mind. And it's just like, wow, that's a lot to handle. And so, um, I do not believe in Zen, um, or like, I do not believe in, um, you know, this like Zen meditation stuff or whatever it's, it's witchcraft. I'm, I, that's not of God. And so, uh, but I do believe in taking deep breaths like anybody should breathe the fresh air that God puts out there, <laughs> you know, and, and learn how to breathe properly, you know, but I'm not about these Zen exercises or whatever. It's all witchcraft, man. You know, God wants to deliver you from anxiety. God wants to deliver you from depression. And here's the thing. If you've got to go on mental, um, you know, medicines, do it. My pastor, he told me, man, he was like, he's like, Nick, it's not a lack of faith to be on medicine. He's like, if you have diabetes, you got to take insulin. He's like, it's not a lack of faith. He's like, this is a legitimate chemical imbalance in your brain. You got to take this stuff. I'm like, yes, sir. And so I stayed on it and man, like, it helps for a time when I need it. Now I'm off it and things are great. But don't think like medicine's bad or it's a lack of faith. You know, if you have a personal conviction, I understand like nobody should force you. But at the same time, do your due diligence and making sure your motives are pure. And you're not just doing it because you're scared or, so, or you're not not doing it because you're scared. Or because you think God would not be pleased or it's a lack of faith. Like, dude, if you're dying, you got to go get help. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to take the medicine. And so... um, if you go over to Second uh, Kings, um, Naaman has leprosy, and Naaman goes to the prophet Elisha, and Elisha tells Naaman, you should go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in the water seven times, and you will be healed. That's what God is telling you to do, Naaman. And Naaman says, bro, um, there's so many other rivers that are cleaner than this one. Like, why can't I go to that one? And also, what the heck? I thought you were going to like wave your hand in front of my face or something. And he was angry. And so it's so funny how like we want, you know, God to heal us, but then we demand how he heals us. It's like, well, if you're looking for optimal conditions, you know, maybe you should just trust that God is conditioning your world in this moment. And you should just trust the process if that makes any sense. You know, we like demand how God should heal us. Like, oh man, that would be so much better. That'd be such a better way. It's like, no, stay, stay obedient, stay obedient to the process and God into this healing process and God will heal you, you know, stop thinking every, you know, stop telling the prophet, you know, what is better to do? Like, come on, man, if it's from God, you've got no better idea. Um, God has the best ideas. And so if he tells you to go dip yourself in the river seven times and nasty Jordan you ought to do it so man oh man psychological warfare man it's a huge thing and it's so sad it's so sad to me to see that a lot of people in our church services don't can't even process what the pastor or evangelist are preaching on a Sunday morning because they got so much in their brain you know it's like you leave and it's like what did he preach about well, I don't know it's like, that's a travesty. It's horrible, man. Um, you know, you read and you get five or six chapters in, you can't recall anything. I mean, I guess there's a normalcy to that, you know, but it, it's gotten bad for most people. 
And so people just have so much in their minds. They're filled up emotionally and mentally. They can't even come to the house of God on Sunday and, 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 and appropriately receive from the Lord. It's, 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 it's difficult. It's, it's complicated, you know, and it's like, it's, it was never intended to be that way. It's supposed to be, it was supposed to be quite easy. You ask, you receive, you seek, you find, you knock, it will be open to you. It's that simple. And so we overcomplicate how to live for God. We overcomplicate ministry. We overcomplicate our future. We overcomplicate who we should marry. We overcomplicate the gifts of the Spirit. We overcomplicate the fruit of the Spirit. We overcomplicate who we should be friends with. We overcomplicate so many things. Where we should go to college. Where this, where that. Because it's all anxiety-driven. It's all overthinking. And in our minds, we view their, we view the future as all these open doors. And if I choose the wrong door, then that means the one that was meant for me will never happen. But then... That's based on the premise that you're in control of your future. And maybe if you believe that, the door that you think you're accepting is skewed in its perception. Because your foundation isn't on faith, it's in you. And so, life isn't all of these doors and it's a guessing game. And if you get it wrong, you know, you get it wrong. That You will only be in a place of anxiety when your trust is not in God. And I'm not talking about this momentary feeling of stability. That's not what defines trust. That may come with uh, as a byproduct of trusting the Lord. You feel more stable. But that in itself is not trust. It's literally a priority change. It's a value change. It's a moral change in your heart. You're saying, I'm not, I am not um, placing my heart or my... Um, my uh, space, my emotional space into this thing, but I'm going to give myself to this thing, and that's God. And because of that, the byproduct of my mental state and the byproduct of my emotions is stability because my trust is in the Lord and He's a constant. You know? So, um, there's so many different things we could talk about mental health and psychological warfare and uh, so many different things, but, you know, everybody's mind is unique. Everybody's, um, you know, spirit is unique within itself, you know, and so to say that there's one thing that the enemy uses to get to everybody, you know, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, it, a lot of it though is, man, it's, it's crazy though, how similar uh, people can think because the enemy works in very similar ways. It's the same thing with God, you know, works in similar ways. It's the same spirit, different, different methods with different people, you know, and so, do your due diligence. If I if I could say anything to anybody listening to this, you may think that you've never dealt with mental health, but you probably have. And you're just, you know, either too prideful to admit it, too scared to admit it, or you just really don't understand it. And I've heard that so many times. It's like, well, I just don't understand it. I've never gone through that. I know I just don't understand that. And I'm just like, hogwash, you have gone through that. But you don't understand it because you never did the due diligence and self-reflection you should have to overcome it. And so now it's just buried in your subconscious and it's seeping out into all other areas of your life and you don't even notice it. It's it's sad. And people are like, well, no, it's it's not affecting me. Right, it's not touching your conscience, but it's in your subconscious. That's the whole point. You're not aware. Of course you wouldn't think so. That's why we need to be held accountable emotionally and mentally. When somebody's telling you that you're depressed and you've stayed in your room for days 
and you need to get out, you ought to listen to them. Swallow your pride. You know, um, get help. Reach out. Um, I recommend the Apostolic uh, Center of Counseling out of Texas through the United Pentecostal Church International. Amazing. Use it. Call them. Set up a meeting. Do what you've got to do. But don't 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 die alone, you know, internally. Don't do that. So I hope this episode helped you guys and was enriching, was empowering, um, made you feel less crazy or lonely. You know, we all go through this. And again, you know, everyone has dealt with mental health to an extent. You know, and you're just saying, well, I don't understand it. Well, again, how can one be intentional if he is not self-aware? You have to be self-aware in order to be intentional. And so if you're going to be intentional, man, you got to be self-aware. You've got to do the due diligence to reflect internally. And if you think internal reflection is of no value, well, no wonder you don't understand mental health. No wonder you don't even understand yourself. You know? People like that end up thinking to themselves, well, I'm just an unpredictable creature, and that pleases God because he didn't make me to be controlled. It's like, no, that's just kind of stupid. (laughs) Um, Actually, we should be striving for some sort of consistency emotionally. And in fact, for men, you should strive for that because women want stability. You know, most women, I mean, this emotional chaos that they have... You know, how God made them. They need a man to make to help them be stable. And men have it too. And women, they want to be something for that guy and help them to be stable. You guys offer each other something. But if you think it's of no value, well, then what's the point of, of even having a significant other or somebody else in your life? Because, you know, you've got it. You've, you've got it handled. You're an unpredictable creature that cannot be tamed. It doesn't... You know what I mean? Like, that's... That may not be for everybody, not everybody listening to that may understand that, but but for the majority, I think you understand what I'm saying. And so, look, if you've got to take medicine, you've got to take medicine. If you've got to go to therapy, go to therapy. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says nothing against that. The Bible's very clear about the mind and that it is the devil's playground. We've got to be equipped with the helmet of salvation, with the sword of the spirit. Um, you know, and not only that, but going to therapy will equip you with tremendous uh, coping skills, tremendous ways to get you to a place um, where, where you can, um, you know, better navigate through anxiety, depression. And I know some people, because um, I'm on both sides of the coin, okay? Some people are saying, you don't need a therapist or a counselor because he's the great counselor. And guess what? I agree with that. You know, you don't need one, but you know, sometimes it is nice to have one, okay? And that's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with having a therapist or a counselor. In essence, we, like I said in uh, episode two, you know, we don't need lights and smoke, but it's nice to have them. We don't need greeters, but it sure is nice to have them to facilitate a sense of community. We don't need live stream, right, to have revival, but it sure is nice to have it, you know? Sure, you don't need a therapist or counselor. And yes, Jesus is the great counselor and therapist, but it sure is nice to have it. It's nice to have somebody to talk to. And so if you need to reach out, reach out again. Apostolic Center of Counseling, a great place to go.
okay? Guys, I'm here for you. I'm here um, for you to send you a virtual hug. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny, that GIF with the ghost on uh, Apple GIFs through iMessage. It's like the ghost and it says, sending virtual hug. You can't feel it, um, but it's there. <laughs> and so um, I sent that to somebody the other day. But guys, I love you. Take care of yourself. Uh, be nice to yourself. Take care of your mental health. Take some deep breaths. Stop hurting yourself by making poor choices. And um, you guys go live for God. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcast or answer my questionnaire on Spotify. You can also listen to me on Anchor. Um, there is a special guest coming up in a few weeks. I will be revealing that uh, via my Instagram page at unplugged.nick. So if you haven't followed that, please go follow at unplugged.nick where you can view exclusive content about this podcast. Be blessed. Welcome home, Columbia. Beautiful, beautiful.